Welcome to the first ever Halloween episode of the Something Something Experience Podcast, episode 10! <laughs> Co-casters Ash Jones and Michael John Simpson started this podcast to give voice to their passions. This week, our guest is horror movie producer, director, casting director, and actress, Maria Olsen. Ash and Michael spoke to Maria about acting, starting her own production company, Monsterworks 66, and the horror genre of films, books, comics, and television. I command you to listen to episode 10 of the Something Something Experience. <laughs> Thing called like a kill of the week, so okay, like he makes all these elaborate kills. Like last episode, they hit a zombie with a bat, his head hit a wall, and his eyes popped out. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, they've been upping the uh, definitely upping the ante, ante okay. on the uh, oh, yeah, we're recording by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, we, okay. we just kind of launched right into it. There's Sweet. no what is um, so, but the uh, yeah, this this season on Walking Dead, they've definitely been upping the the kill. Effects, the, yeah. the special effects, mm-hmm. and making it even more shocking and gory. There's been okay. a lot of full-on like baseball bat head crushes and and stuff like that. Stuff that's even more. I mean, they. I think they've been pushing a lot of the boundaries on on cable of what right. they can show and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. So. Walking Dead people. People used to complain about. Uh, I think last two seasons, the zombies have been like really easy to kill. Okay. So yeah. with this season, they, they've they've kind of ramped up. Uh, that aspect of it where they're harder to kill there's different types of zombies now they're introducing like um, you know zombies that are inflamed or uh, you know yeah there were a lot of zombies on fire in that opening, like that. opening oh, yeah. episode okay. yeah so, and they th- some of the effect, fire cool. effects were practical but some of them are also computer generated and computer generated fire from a technological standpoint has gotten much better than it used to be okay. and it looks a lot more natural now um uh, one of the things I think that's different about ta- The Walking Dead now, starting with last season and into this season, especially with the whole thing with the governor and all that, and uh, if you haven't seen Walking Dead, you know, <laughs> but uh, a lot more of the killing is human on human rather than human on zo- on Walker because it's much more about the human the the, the human horror of it of of people trying to kill each other. Uh, for resources and space and, and all that, which I think, and that, food now too. Yeah. Um, oh, but really? but yeah. so a lot of the killing, the the special effects of that have been upped because of that aspect. And I, I have think. to believe that okay. if, if we ever have a zombie apocalypse, the major threats would be other humans, man. Oh, totally. Always. That's one thing that got me about zombies. Always like they're slow. Get on a bicycle or a skateboard <laughs> right? or in a car or something, and like you know, you can pretty much outrun that. I know it's <laughs> uh, for some reason people let them creep up on them. Like whenever in, in a lot of uh, movies and stuff, they first become aware of the zombies when they're like a like a like a horde, right. and then they're they're you can't you cannot run them because they're all in a pack and whatever. But I always think when I watch movies, it's like why are you not trying to go to the coast, getting on a boat, just you know get supplies, right, right, go to the ocean. 
Yeah. So zombies Z- there. Zombies. Oh, I mean, I zombies know. can keep walking when they're underwater. We chew Fulci zombie. Oh, Come on, great. shark that's versus great, zombie. Man. Come on. That seems amazing. <laughs> shark zombie uh, NATO piranha ish yes. thing. Yes. That was amazing. <laughs> James Gunn, where are you? We need this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you're done with the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie, well, we need yeah. to come back to sci-fi and do it. You movie. know that there's like a comic book character called King Shark. It's part of the Suicide Squad. It's like this humanoid shark. Yes, I what? believe. Yeah? I remember. You know about what, that? What universe Vaguely. is that? DC. Though. Okay. DC. Okay. Yeah, he's, yes. he's the son of God Shark. It's like a race okay. of humanoid sharks. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've been... I'm pretty out of touch when it comes to comics. I'm, I'm probably a step above non-nerd joke. Public and that I've been watching, you know, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man stuff that was on cartoons and TV my mm-hmm. whole life, and then read a lot of Batman comics in the in the late '80s, early '90s. But beyond that, I mean, as I said before, I, I'd never heard of Guardians of the Galaxy until all my Marvel mm-hmm. geek friends started started gushing about it, and that, which brought me on board and made me want to see it. Now I love okay. it. So. Um, but I still, I don't have the time, and I don't have the money, and I don't have the space for comics. I, I just don't. I don't have the space to keep them. I have four boxes of stuff that I collected that's still sitting yeah. um, in bags and boards, you know, non-acid bags and boards and all that, but I don't have the room for more, and right. I and, and the money thing was, you know... Yeah, it's just like out of control now. Yeah, it was yeah. sort of vaguely controllable when I collected in the 70s and, and early 80s. But Wait. even so, I was in Africa, so I was dependent on what they felt like shipping across. Right, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. Even if I subscribed, yeah. it was like, miss an episode? Well, sorry. There was no, no such thing as previews back, back then in the uh, 80s and no, stuff? No, it was like... Where you could order the catalog and yes, stuff? Yes, yeah. I, I could <clears throat> subscribe to a specific, like, Batman or Superman or Wonder Woman, whatever. Hoped I got the 12 issues per year. I mean, things get lost. It was mail order, right? It was mail order. Right, right. Oh, yeah. I remember back in the 70s, you could order more comics. It was always an order form in the back of every comic book where you could order other subscriptions. Because comic book stores weren't as big of a thing, especially if you didn't live in a city. If you lived in a smaller town, you were reliant on the mail. So, where are you from? South Africa. East London, South Africa. Okay, okay. Can I just say real (laughs) quick that (laughs) my girlfriend's your biggest fan? Oh, yeah? She (laughs) is. Whenever whenever I spot you, because you're all over the place. Yeah. Actually, I don't think I we introduced you. Uh, this, we this saw week, Paranormal Activity 3. Yeah, this week we have Maria Olsen right here. She's Hi. a director, uh, actress, uh, writer, and producer. And casting director. And casting director, everything in one. <laughs> and you have your own MonsterWorks 66 is uh, your... Uh, yeah, your t- I noticed your, your, two, your TikTok. <laughs> um, the, uh, you, it's your special effects company? No, or it's no? a production Oh, just a production company. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay, cool, cool. So yeah. you guys have worked on a lot of cool stuff, and... Um, Maybe, maybe do you want to talk about how you got uh, started as an actor oh, in in South Africa? Wait, I can't remember that far back. I think <laughs> I was far six. <laughs> no, six. I, yeah, something like that. My mom put me in dance classes, and we did it like an annual show. And so I wound up on stage at the big theater in our little town, like once a year. Wow! And I was like, this is cool. Yeah, I can do this. I yeah, can yeah, get yeah. into this. <laughs> you know. And then, um, did I do anything in like primary school? Not really. In high school. I started auditioning for plays and musicals, and I got into them. Not like huge roles, um, but I got into them, and I started enjoying being on stage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After I, I graduated from school, um, I joined the two separate dramatic societies we had in our town, and I auditioned for shows. Sometimes I booked principal roles, sometimes I was the last row in the chorus. It was, you know, just depended. 
Um, I did about 50 different stage plays and wow. musicals when I was there. I also um, did what some type radio of, What type of musicals? Oh, um, Hello Dolly, Fiddler on the Roof, Grease, Wizard of Oz, oh, the, um, the, Annie, the, Annie, Annie, the standard Annie. batch, the of, standard, yeah, 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 that every high school or whatever exactly. does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, I did a couple of radio commercials as well, mm-hmm. but my little town was so far away from any film industry that might have been in South Africa at the time that I wasn't involved there at all. It was like, yeah, Hollywood's very far away. It would be <laughs> nice. I know I can do it. Even then, I was, I know I can do it. I used to watch Jodie Foster and Kathleen Turner and Sigourney oh. Weaver and Jane Fonda and go, you know what? If I was given that chance, I could do that. That's not difficult. That's amazing. But I'm like, you know, never, ever, ever would I get there. You've come a long way from South Africa. That's just pretty far away. Where, where's East London? Is that near Joburg? Or is that... No, it's about nine hours away from Joburg on okay. the southeastern coast. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. okay. Great. So, so i got to ask you, who did you play in The uh, Wizard of Oz? <laughs> Um, okay, uh, during the initial run, I was like second visiting witch or something like that. And then we extended the run. The Wicked Witch was like, no, I'm not extending anything. And I was put in as the Wicked Witch of the West. Wow, nice, nice. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Okay. Back like, before anybody knew what her first name was. Right. <laughs> With like one day's rehearsal, that was one of the most terrifying things. I, I must have been insane because literally you could have stopped me in the middle of that show and said, what is your next line? And I wouldn't have known it. It only came into my mind when I heard my cue. Right, right, that right. Was... And there's a lot of actors. Who, and actually, the, you say that, and, and that's been kind of a thing historically with the actors. A lot of the actors that you think are the are, you think of as the greatest, the Gil Goods and the, mm. the Barry Moores and the, the, the actors like that, and they said the same thing. They, say, they would say they couldn't recite the whole play for you. Mm. They, only, they only know how to react because their whole... Their whole mode of operation for acting is, is reaction and it's oh, only reacting yeah. to that one line that comes right before there that's, that's an fascinating tightrope to walk it is yes. well that's why you have your famous story of uh, was it Gilgood <clears throat> or I think it was Gilgood who had a, a nervous breakdown in the middle of a run of of Hamlet in New York I want to say mm-hmm. and he went completely off script but he was giving his end his beginning line and end line he was going off of the queue and giving that and completely going off script, but then giving that line to the next person oh, to be able to okay, pick up. Okay. And people, some of the, the critics at the time said it was the most outstanding Hamlet they've ever seen oh, because wow. it completely went off book, but he was, he was riffing it and he was, he was winging it. He was completely <laughs> winging it. That's amazing. No. Yeah. I mean, memories. That's one of the reasons why I would never be able to be an actor because yeah. I can't remember more than two sentences at a time. Okay. You know, I would just have to improvise it or something. I did some acting in school, too. And, and when I was five, I was probably the most precocious kindergartner <laughs> there was. So they made me the Rat King and the Nutcracker oh, okay. of the Christmas play. And I was one of the few kids who had spoken lines. And it was it was a play that the teachers wrote together okay. and used the, the Tchaikovsky music in between interstitials for little dancing or screwing like the mice. We all had... Uh, costumes made out of uh, paper grocery sacks that we had, that we had decorated ourselves. Okay, well, they gave cute. they gave each classroom um, the task of decorating costumes, and you weren't necessarily going to be wearing the costume that you were decorating. Okay. Like, I did one of the flowers, one of the dancing flower mm. costumes, 
but then I was the rap king, and then I was one of the ones with the. And the only the only one I remember there was the rap king, and the other speaking role was the, the smallest girl in class. She was Pipsqueak, the, the the baby mouse or whatever. And I was like Pipsqueak, stand in line. And we would. I don't know. Whenever I think it was king. crazy. But then I did some acting in in junior high and high school too. I was a I was a mad bomber in a Barney Miller esque type like a detective comedy play, and then I did a um, a couple of weird changed Shakespeare things in high school Mad too. Bomber that's interesting yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they dressed me up like a Cuban terrorist okay they, they kind of oranged me up and gave me a black hair and a black mustache Mil- military and, outfit no I was wearing a, like a wife like a like a, a an oh, A yeah. shirt and a, and a um, you know yeah yeah it was interesting so so Mary I want to ask you how did you uh, actually ended up in this country like was it through an agency that you started no, working not at here all. And, uh, um, totally different I, one day I got a pen pal who lived in um, Woodland Hills, turned into a relationship, and I came out oh. here because of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That relationship has since run its course, mm-hmm. but I'm still here. You were like, thank you, at least you <laughs> got me here friends. in Hollywood, right? So, oh, that's good. That's yeah, good. that's all. And that's how I came here. It was for that, not for anything acting oh. or anything like that. That's yeah. very interesting. So did you come, once you came here, did you just start auditioning, or did you were you doing like normal, regular, non-entertainment jobs? Or would oh, you yeah. Go I, right I worked for three years at the accounting firm Grobstein Horworth and Crow. Oh. Mm. Yeah, in the bankruptcy division. In South Africa, I was a bankruptcy trustee. I, I had my own mm. firm. Wow. I practiced mm. for like 15 years as a trustee. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So when I came over here... So I guess coming here wasn't such a gamble because you, you were in a... Probably, I, I actually I had assume a job a set up field. for me mm-hmm. already because mm-hmm. of the people that... Oh. Um, yeah, that I knew. Um, so I just came in here, had a month's break to unpack and walked into a job, which oh, was okay. great. But I was doing... Um, theater um all the time in east london so i was like i cannot sit here and do nothing um so i started auditioning i auditioned and i got a lot of uh work with the west valley playhouse Uh in west valley and after about a year i was like i need to do more and they were like no stay here and work with us (laughs) no i need to do more (laughs) and i did um, a lot of shows at other places in town like zombie joe's underground theater we ended up going to new york off broadway with um two of our shows um, and then I was like, all right, your whole life you said you could do film acting. You're here now. There is nothing between you and the industry anymore. Do it. Prove to me that you can. Fantastic. Mm. And I just started submitting for everything, and it's cat on the um, online websites. I got tons of auditions. I used to get like five auditions a day. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And people don't realize how uh, hard it is for an actor because you have to get over that rejection. Oh, there's you're no gonna rejection. Get there is no rejection, Ash. There you go. That's, that's the mentality. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like I'm a producer and a casting director as well. So I can see 10 amazingly talented actors for a single role and I will pick the one that suits the vision in my mind and the director's mind best for that character. I'm not saying to the other nine, you suck, you can't act. I'm saying... That one was the best match for the vision we had in our mind. There's no right or wrong. There's no talent or non. Yeah, right. There's no rejection. It's whether you fit into that role. Exactly. That, that producer, director's yeah. uh, vision. But I'm yes. always fascinated by people that do work here and get a lot of work because mm. a lot of people are just simply not, they don't, they don't see it that way and they see it as rejection and they just get it's you know not, heartbroken and not, they can't no, deal with it no, they, just move on yeah you need to be resilient yeah. well that's, that's, that's the thing in, in, yeah. in the, the entertainment field does tend to attract people who n- n- crave 
adoration or not adoration, um, acceptance or, you know, that attention. attention. Right. Um, and, and so a lot of them, it is a, a kind of dark roller coaster mm-hmm. of highs and lows. Right. And they do take it that way. Um, and for a lot of people, they wind up quitting and getting out of the yeah. business. But then there's mm-hmm. the people who can like, and, and some people even still do still feel that way who are successful. But, um, then there's people who, like you said, where it's like it's not a rejection; it's just this is an informed thing. And, and it, the, I heard somebody say, and I don't remember who it was recently, who said, "You treat every audition as a performance. Oh, yeah. You go in there and treat it yes. as, even if it's only five minutes, ten minutes, you treat that as a performance in and of itself. Absolutely. And whether it, whether it leads to something or not, it's that relevant. informs your talent, that informs your craft, that in, that that helps to bolster your your what you do. And exactly. That's, yeah. That's exactly what I do. You know, it's not, please, please, please give me the job. It's look at me performing the scene. Right. This is my talent. Right. This is right. Here's my... what I have to offer. I exactly. hope it fits for you. If not, exactly. I'm on not the next, next time is fine. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Good. So I want to ask you about, uh, yeah, that, that's, a great, that's a great way of looking at it. I want to ask you about, you've been successful, uh, and you've been in a lot of Hollywood productions. Uh, you were in Percy Jackson, the Olympians. You were in uh, Lords of Salem. And recently, Neighbors, which I saw a movie, and I didn't know you were in it. And when I saw you, I paused it, and I was like, oh, my God. So, <laughs> <laughs> so can you talk about, like, rubbing shoulders with all those people? Like, oh my gosh. Rob Zombie and, uh, uh, you know, Seth Rogen and all those people. Well, I'll tell you great. about Neighbors. I was on set, like, it's 5, 6 a.m., Melrose and something, freezing, except for Natalie <laughs> and myself, who were wearing way too few clothes. I know, I saw, I saw what you were yes, wearing. Yes, and heels like that high, <laughs> 5, 6 inches. And this guy comes on set and chats to everyone and smiles, and my little head's going, I know him from somewhere. <laughs> and he's like, all right, we're going to do this and this and this, and everything's fine, let's rehearse it, and blah, blah. And I'm going... That face is so familiar to me. <laughs> Who was it? And it it was, was Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. <laughs> it hit me like after he went back to Video Village. Oh, okay. And I was like, you know, that could have been Seth Rogen. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> okay, yeah. So <laughs> did he do? Did he do his, his funny laugh? Because he has a very distinct. No, much no, he was normal guy. Yeah, normal guy, guy t-shirt, jeans, red hair, beard, saying, "All right, you guys, I want you to say this and stand there, walk there. All right, <laughs> run this and okay, this shit." How many normal times? Guy. How many times did you guys shoot that scene? Because he, yeah, he, it was Maybe you five. and him five times. Yeah, and we changed it up every time, and we did different things. Sometimes I spoke, sometimes she spoke. Now the diff, I. I actually always get asked about Neighbors, why am I not in the credits and why is Natalie in the credits? Oh. She auditioned as a principal and booked it. Mm. Or maybe Seth Neuer and invited her in, that happens. I responded to a call for background thinking, oh, this could be a fun thing to do. And they called me in like that. That's why I never got a principal credit on that. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, this is, we're getting to the difference. business side of it, which, which a lot of people... Yeah don't know much because there's not a lot of uh, light shed on the actual <laughs> True. processes. True. Uh, oh, it, yeah. It's really intricate stuff when yeah. people get cast, how, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the, just because you're in a movie doesn't mean that you uh, met everyone in the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, people were asking me, how was it to be on set with Zac Efron? And I'm like, <laughs> you I never was saw him. Never, I wasn't on set with him. Yeah. Oh, isn't he on set every day? No, no, because then we'd have to yeah. pay for him every day. Exactly. And just sit yeah. around and do nothing. Right, right. A lot of people also, the, the biggest misconception people have is the role of producer and director. Okay. The director is basically the producer's employee. Pretty much. That's why you see a lot of, a lot of uh, directors that have sometimes bad movies 
Um, the mm. latest, there's a scandal with uh, uh, Paul Schrader and his latest okay. movie where he didn't, you know, he signed off on a contract and uh, this happens a lot. The producer gets final cut. Exactly. And they end up like, you know, just, you know, remixing your ideas right. and it's right. really right. not your movie anymore. Right. So there's all these little things in Hollywood that people are not aware of. So yeah. you also have your own production company. I do. How hard was it starting that? Oh, easy, actually. I sort of slid into it. Um, I had been getting into things like script review and script shopping slowly, slowly, slowly. And then my friend Brandon Scullion sort of contacted me one day and um, he said, I'm going to be shooting Live in Fear in Utah in like January, February. Do you want to come on as co-producer? There's a role for you. I was like, February? I'm not doing much. Sure. And that's pretty much how it started. Hmm. You know, we ran several crowdfunding campaigns, got our money, um, cast the thing, um, had a table read, wonderful table read. We went up to Utah, shot it in nine days, came back, did one day in L.A., um, then it went into post, and it just premiered 5th of September. Mm, it won is. an award at its mm-hmm. first festival. It's now in, I think, two or three other festivals. Wow. It should be coming out in January or February. Well, who's going to distribute the film? Uh, while they're releasing. Mm. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get that film. I've been, I've been following oh, the film. Oh, it's great! You know, I've seen it. I've seen it in a couple stages, and it's it's really great. It's got wonderful acting. Oh my goodness! You know, really, really good people. Um, great story. Yeah. You know, it's not just one of those unplug your brain and watch stories. Brandon's yeah. written an amazing, intricate oh, story that makes you think for a long nice, time. Nice. And we shot it up in the snowy mountains of Utah, Brideshead, Utah, which is beautiful. Cool. A lot of, a lot of, yeah. You guys have to wake up at 3 a.m. Every, every day? or No, no, not at all. Um, sometimes, yes, but not really. It depended on what you had to shoot. A lot of it was the interiors. We could shoot that whenever we wanted. Yeah. You know, day for night, you night don't for day, need, just right. fix yeah. it up. And, I, uh, but yeah, there was that time when it was midnight, it was zero. I was lying on the ground outside in like a tank top. So yeah, yeah there was <laughs> that always, time. Those <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm fascinated by, uh, I'm a huge horror fan. Yeah. And I was watching Dario Argento's Inferno the other day, okay. and uh, he's one of my Argento, favorite directors. Yeah, Suspiria. Man, I mean, just oh. just the the craft that, that he put into uh, lighting. You know, every every scene mm. has this very intricate lighting setup okay. that must have taken hours to set up. Right. You watch Inferno, and that that's really all that that. Well, not all, but that's the biggest thing the film has going for it is the uh, the lighting, the cinematography, okay. the production value, the production value, right. product, the, the set design, and all that stuff. It's amazing. I can watch the movie like every day. That's the thing <laughs> I think I, I, I kind of miss about horror and what I why I prefer older horror to newer stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of horror these days feels a bit cookie cutter. It feels a bit okay. Yeah. We get some teenagers, we throw them into a Huge situation, and that. somebody comes yes. and just you know massacres them, or there's a virus, or blah blah blah. And the thing that I miss is is. I love hammer horror. That's my favorite okay. kind of because of the the lavish, lush sets and the giant interior studio shots and shooting at uh, shooting on those big lots in London and, mm. and and the costumes and the lighting and the and just everything. And yeah. sure, the blood looks completely fake. It looks <laughs> orange or whatever, but yeah. but everything else looks just outstanding. And and I I like a big production with horror. Um, um, and a lot of it, like I said, seems like you got a very small camera crew and a couple teenagers. Not to mention that they're all somewhere. Yeah, they're all PG thirteen too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Studios don't like to. Uh, they 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 see it as a you know they're going to lose money if it's R. 
Well, they want to they want to bring the teenagers Why in. Why the audience? Right. You know, that's right. a business decision. Right. You were you were also in Paranormal Activity, right? That, that, I those was. are PG thirteen, right? No, there are. Know. There are. Yeah. I actually don't know. Yeah. I wasn't. Mostly for language. It wasn't an issue for me when I was <laughs> right. Mostly for language, though, because okay. uh, yeah, I think I think it was mostly for language. There's not a lot of blood. There's no nudity. No. The, but it's mostly language. There's yeah. a lot of f bombs and stuff, yeah. and and uh, um, but yeah, and Paranormal Activity. I mean, the first one is pretty, you know, it's pretty jarring, pretty disturbing. Yeah. Um, kind of, I mean, it, it can be, but yeah, I mean, well, I I'm think sorry, it's I'm jaded. I well, know how things are made. Yeah. yeah. They don't frighten me anymore. <laughs> Do you find yourself doing that when you're watching a movie going, oh, I wonder if he used oh, this yes, kind absolutely. of swib or that, you know, this kind of remote thing or whatever? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it doesn't, what scared me? A million dollar baby when Hilary Swank is lying in that bed with a broken neck and there's no control she has over her life anymore. Mm. That is terrifying. Oh, yeah. Okay? yeah. And that can happen to any of us I at know, any you know moment. What, you know what? I've, 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 I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. Yeah. I was thinking about moments in movies mm. that are horrific just because of the nature of them. And uh, every time someone that's innocent gets put in, in jail mm-hmm. and the people that he's with are obviously like predators, that, I feel like oh, that's one right. of the most horrific things yeah. in movies yeah <laughs> it comes back to not having control that yeah. specific not one. having control yeah that's, that's a really that's great point a huge issue a lot of horror movies are not horrific at all yeah, yeah. So, alright any moment now wait are we on page 6 yet first kill really yeah. like jump scare number oh, 10 god no get yeah. away from the framework of the scripts that everybody's selling you and be an original voice right right please yeah yeah, yeah. that's the thing I think <laughs> with horror movies with me I see another PG-13 movie horror movie on, on uh. TV and I'm just like the one that actually piqued my interest lately, and I haven't seen it, was the one that they shot in the catacombs in Paris, and they shot. Oh, I've heard um, from from as above, down below. Yeah. Yes, yes, okay. yes. As above, so below, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I heard. I mean, I, I heard an interview, a long form interview with the people who made it, and I heard and and just to take a horror movie and put it into that element, mm-hmm. and it's yet another one of the a, a movie where you have an original idea where it starts off as one thing and then morphs into something okay. else. I like, I like that as an idea. Yeah. Everyone like says, from oh no, don't cross the genres. And I'm like, why? Not? Like From Dusk Till Dawn yes. is a perfect classic oh, example. Yes. One of the best horror movies. Comedy slash horror, but then starts off as a bank heist movie. Right. And, and, you know, uh, uh, starts off as a, almost like a, um, a psychological thriller mm. that then morphs into this horror movie yeah. that's almost comical. <laughs> and that's the you know the definite voice of Rob Rodriguez and, you know, and it's Quentin Tarantino. It you, you haven't seen the movie, but that comparison fits. I saw it when it came out, and uh, what I liked about it was that it's like a found footage movie at first, mm-hmm, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it gets mm-hmm. really surreal. That's what I, I appreciated okay. it on some it. level. It's kind of okay. refreshing. Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Because basically they go one, they move aside one block too many and find some portal to hell or something okay. like that. And and and. The whole idea of demons and tearing your body apart and the whole Hellraiser thing is one thing. The other thing, the other idea of hell, of it being the ultimate in psychological terror of of that kind of horror of what hell is, of torturing your mind rather than your body or your soul... That to me is more like you said, mm. lying in a bed with a broken neck and lo- having lost comp- when you were a person who was a person of action and right. completely losing control over your faculties and your whole your life. Basically, yeah. Yeah. that being a terrifying thing, and that's kind of what that movie plays mm. on as a psychological factor. So, I'd rather I, 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 I really wish more movies like that that played on that came out. Like I remember, mm-hmm. you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and mm-hmm. Hellraiser. 
the moments that really scared me were the moments in which, you know, like the the Freddy or Pinhead were stalking the victim, and in those short scenes where, you know, they were in a dream or mm. in hell, and, uh, you know, they were like, they couldn't escape, um, you know, certain situations because they were in, the, in, in control, right. and this, this master was controlling their reality right. before they killed them. That, that, those were the moments that, that, I, that really scared me, you know, not the actual, like, kills or right, jump right. scares or anything like yeah. that. And not not enough movies uh, play on that psychological aspect of horror. Well, that's True. what I liked about a lot of uh, a lot of um, uh, Hitchcock's later work, okay. um, Frenzy, and and stuff like that, where you had kind of horrific serial killer type film, but it's so much more inside your head, and so much mm. more about mm. what goes on up here, and and that lost art of of putting less on the screen and more inside the mind okay. of the viewer that makes it. Far more terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think about the first Halloween. There's very little blood in that movie at all. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. very little practical death shots in that movie. It's all very psychological. It's all mm-hmm. that. Yes, there are scare jump scare moments, but a lot of what you don't see, you you'll yeah. see the knife come up, cut away, and then somebody discovers the dead body right, later. Right, right. That's the more horrifying. Part. I, I, I always I always tell people that movie. I think that movie wouldn't work without the music. Oh yeah, the yeah. simplistic yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. That piano note. That John Carpenter, one of the one of the yeah, he wrote his own music for his yeah. movie, and it worked yeah. so well. It worked so well. I, I appreciate that in films too. Less is more. Since right. oh, we didn't, we, so. yeah, we didn't get the uh, the uh, the background and going to your Halloween point. We we don't know who Michael Myers is. No, and he's. Right. Standing there as this. All we know is he's a thing. little kid who suddenly mur- decided to murder his sister. I think he was, was he was on the script as the thing, right? The or, shape, the shape, the shape. shape. That's what he was listed as in the book. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, in the credits of the movie, he's listed as the shape. Okay. You know the right. Well, there was Michael Myers, the child, the child, right. the actor who played was played Michael Myers, mm-hmm. and then the actor who played the adult yeah. serial killer was just called the just shape. The idea of. Uh, Having someone whose identity is completely blurred out and they don't care. Yeah. That's yeah, scary as yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah. So I want to ask you about your... your, your you make a lot of horror films. Mm. You've been in horror films. When did that start for you? When, that, that passion? Uh, was it in childhood or...? Uh, my interest in horror films totally started in childhood. I remember literally um, sitting next to my mom and she would tell me about the Dracula films that she's seen, mm. about the stories that she's read. Um, the Hammer films and the even Hammer earlier, films. yeah, the Hammer yeah. films. And I got hold of her uh, Dracula novel when I was about eight years old, mm. oh, wow. and I started reading it, and I was like, "Oh, for eight? That's a big, I thick book for eight-year-olds." <laughs> what the hell is going on? Yeah. But every year, every year, I reread that book, mm. and slowly, 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 I came to understand. I came to appreciate the style. It's written in a very specific style, which a lot of people probably won't take to. Right. You know, these days of like. Reading things kind of in five seconds. Dr- uh, not, <laughs> not to make a joke, but written in drunken Irishman almost. Uh, uh, no, but, it's, um, but yeah, it's it's the letters. It's written in letters. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Dear Mina. Yes. Yes. My the, lunch today in Mina Bitstreet and Lucy's letters to each other. Yeah. yeah yes. It's not you know chapter one. The bad vampire arrived at the doorstep, and he was all sparkly. Mm-hmm. That's not how it's written. It's in very specific intellectual style almost. Um, it took me 
five or six years to be able to go, all right, this is too easy for me now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, but I got there. But right. I still love the book. I it is, even as an yeah. adult, for me, it's 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 a, a little bit of a slog to get through mm-hmm. to, to to kind of get through it. Even though I I know the story intimately, mm-hmm. I've been obsessed with the Dracula story yeah. since I was a child, since I okay. was a little little kid. Seeing okay. Dracula movies on TV, mm-hmm, seeing mm-hmm. Bela Lugosi freaking out when when uh, Morgan Freeman was Dracula on the Electric Company on the Child's program on PBS as a kid and and being drawn to that as a kid right. too and being a, my, my my one of my favorite renditions of Dracula was the BBC miniseries with Louis Jordan that was huh. done in the 70s okay. that was on PBS every year around Halloween okay. and I actually before it came out on DVD I wound up contacting uh, a television archivist in Texas to get a videotape, cop VHS copy, okay. but I paid like sixty dollars for it wow. oh, through the through the internet, mm-hmm. and to get a copy of that, and then like five years later they released a DVD, okay. an anniversary DVD of it. Okay. But that telling of Dracula with 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 Louis Jordan and there's other uh, famous uh, mm. British actors in it too, and and being pulled into that and so many of the other versions of Dracula pulled out this element or that right. element like the 79 Langella there was no there was no Lucy or there was no Mina it was just Lucy like they I would pull out Mina yeah the Langella one. yes Frank Langella oh my god that's such a good <laughs> yes. one that's such a good one is that your favorite? Um, old time um, no um, it's my number two favorite my favorite is Bram Stoker's Dracula with Gary Oldman yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah. That, that just the visuals on that just touch everything if you can Sorry. ignore uh, if you can ignore Keanu Reeves' <laughs> accent no then that movie <laughs> great. that movie is, is brilliant <laughs> yes is brilliant and he didn't take me out of it at all you know originally <laughs> um, originally Sofia Coppola was supposed to be Mina uh, oh, uh, Mina yeah. in that movie that would huh. be interesting and, but she was ill Okay. So they brought in uh, um, uh, Winona Ryder, yeah. and um, yeah, so it would have been a very would have been interesting that to see be interesting. because I love I love Sofia Coppola as a director. I think mm. she's a much better director than as an actress. So okay. I'm wondering how different that movie would have been right, right. with Sofia Coppola instead of instead of her instead maybe, of maybe maybe would have uh, you know like branched her career off. In maybe ways. I don't Perhaps, know. Perhaps yeah. Because Godfather Three, she was one of the elements of Godfather Three that didn't quite mesh well didn't okay. quite work but then you know she went on to do Boxing Helena and Lost in Translation not Boxing Helena um, Lost in Translation and uh, uh, um, Virgin Suicides yes Virgin Suicides mm. and so okay. this, this other amazing work that mm. we got out mm. of her so. you know and that, that Bram Stoker's has a little bit of uh, you know a little bit in common with the book in that it, there's a little narration right in the movie I, I haven't seen the letters it in a while. happen the letters, the letters, letters happen, happen and the narration yeah. and the the voiceover of uh, of Van Hel- of Van Helsing, Van Helsing. and uh, and oh what a brilliant choice for Hopkins for, for Oh my Van goodness Helsing. right He was a madman and that's how I always pictured him cuz mm. even in the 1930s the the uh, Bela Lugosi Dracula Universal Dracula he was a bit eccentric, very eccentric, you know, it's kind of wide-eyed mm. weird professor right, right. type and You got to be a little crazy to go after monsters mm. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. This is very to delve guys... into a book and realize, oh, yeah. it's this thing that's this right. ancient legend. Let's go hunting, you know, and it's like, yes. wait, what? <laughs> have you guys seen Penny Dreadful? No. No. TV. No, but, don't yeah. have one. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's right. <laughs> but I just want to throw it out there that, that that's a great show. Van Helsing's in it. Uh, Frankenstein is in it. Uh, Dr. Frankenstein. Uh, they, they've touched on the vampires, although they haven't really identified them as like Dracula or Nosferatu or whatever. Okay. But it, it seems like, you know, there's the Wolfman. A lot of the, the Universal Monsters are in there. And, okay. and uh, 
Dorian Gray. It's right. fascinating. Is it kind of a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen specifically for mm. horror kind it, of thing? It feels like yeah. that. It's like a guild, yeah. you know? Nice, yeah. Yeah. nice. Oh, we must make mention of Nosferatu as well. That's oh, yeah. That one of my The Max Shrek and, the and, and yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Salem's Lot. Salem's yeah, Lot. Salem's oh, that was, yeah, the... Uh, the it's uh, like a Nosferatu type. That, yeah, it was a Stephen <laughs> King novel, and then they adapted it for television. David Soul played the main character was going after, and the vampire was a Nosferatu vampire. Frightening. Okay. Very frightening. Still Especially frightening. for TV. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I but I like that. also like the Klaus Kinski remake of I Nosferatu. I must try and track that down to see that. I it's, have not seen that it's, one yet. It's equally good, and and it's its own. It's it's like um, it's like uh, different iterations of, of Batman, where they each okay. ha- each bring their own thing okay. to the table, but are very different. And then, of course, they shadow the vampire. Oh, yes, great, yes. great yes. Willem Dafoe, great which is all about the original recording, right. the original taping in Eddie the twenties. Eddie is it? I mean, oh my god! Yes, amazing. Eddie is our movie's <laughs> so good. Yeah, I need to watch that again. We, I mean, we've been very lax in our watching of horror mm-hmm. movies this month, and we usually we make October kind of a horror fest, but we've been so yeah. busy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have a large vampire collection at okay. home, and, and yeah, it's, it's I must time to ask delve. this. I've I've been absolutely obsessed by this book series over the last like two months. Anita Blake, Vampire Hunter. Oh, oh, interesting. Oh, I haven't yeah. heard of that. Me neither. Okay. Um, I when I'm on set, I'm shooting. The only thing I allow myself to do is read a book because I'm not bringing my laptop. I'm not doing anything else. I just need downtime when I'm not actually shooting. That's if I'm not producing. <laughs> If you're producing, you're fixing the coffee machine or something. Yeah, you gotta stay busy. So one of the books I randomly bought was um, one in the series of Anita Blake Vampire Hunter by mm. Laurel K. Hamilton. And I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome. There's like 22 books in the series, and I'm just buying them wow. on Amazon just mm. to keep reading in the series. It's amazing. She's got this entire world of vampires and were animals, like leopards and wolves and bats and swans, and you name it. There's like Wow. Wear everything. Wear everything. And where, where does the story take place? Um, St. Louis, actually. St. Louis. Yes. Wow. Current time or, or yeah. is it? Uh, yes, but in a parallel universe where all the stuff is normal. Oh, and people know of it. It's people like... know of it. Vampires are legal <clears throat> citizens. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Kind of like in True Blood or whatever, where, yeah. where right. everybody's right. where there was a coming out point at some point, and right. so we're here. Yes. Deal with it, and yes. here we are. But then yes. there's like rogue vampires. That oh, kill absolutely. People. Anita Blake is a vampire executioner. She's a federal marshal, and she goes wow. around killing rogue vamps. So she kills rogue vamps who are killing people instead of doing dealing with their other sanctioned food sources or right. whatever. Okay, yeah, okay. it's it's the most amazing series. of Do books. they touch on like the, the, this the, the the outing of the vampires like you unite humanity? Not really. And now there's no um, crime? It starts with everybody is out already. Everybody knows about oh, everybody okay. else. But vamps, um, I think they have citizen status when it starts. But others like the lycanthropes, which are the, um, the shapeshifters. shapeshifters, they don't yet. Oh, you know, so it's it's it touches on like all aspects, and it's amazingly wonderful book. There's been a lot of meshing of 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 mythology in horror or horror, especially TV, episodic Mm. TV. Mm. um, Being human, both the British and the American series of you got vampire, lycanthrope, and ghosts kind of right. all living together and the, the the various pitfalls of being roommates with each other and, <laughs> and we're dealing with relationships and dealing with exactly you, you you not only are you dealing with your relationships as a human being you're dealing with your relationships inside your own uh your own uh cert vampire or where okay. or or, right. or spiritual circle of dealing with those conflicts um there's also a series 
in uh, from Canada called something girl, bad girl or evil girl or, okay. or dead girl or Is something that like the that. One about the succubus. Yes, okay. the one about the succubus who's pansexual. Right, which, which I've heard of it. I have For me, is one of the most refreshing things to see because it's not your typical boy girl mm-hmm. relationship oh, stuff. Yeah. I like seeing seeing um, uh, powerful female characters who who are okay with their sexuality, whatever right. that might be. Right, and right. there's no other than within the confines of a relationship. There's no societal condemnation or societal okay. consequence of those decisions and those those relationships. And that's what I like to see yes, that. Yes, where yes. it's normal to be somebody who is completely, you know, hypersexualized or whatever like that. And right. I like seeing stories that are like yeah, that. Because yeah. it's so few and far between. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh, like even within True Blood, as crazy and freaky as that gets, you have your characters who are kind of like that and then you have your characters who are so tied down to, you know, diet you know, serial mm. monogamous relationships mm, and stuff. Mm, so, mm. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of mixing of the mythologies in a lot of these other yeah. shows and stuff. Yeah. So it sounds like this series of books is, oh. it would be good. And 22. 22 books. She's that's still writing. It's she been churning out three, four books a year? Or I'm she, not sure. Because I would imagine. Yeah, she's she's been writing for like 25 years. Oh, well then probably one book. She's yeah. really prolific. Most writers take a long time to put out a book and oh, she puts one, like maybe two a year, maybe more than two. Well, that's the thing. I'm going to catch up to her soon and then I'm going to go like, I will sit at your gate and wait for the next one. <laughs> Rattling the gate. I want more books. Has, has Either she, that or I'll win the lottery and option the damn series and make the films. Hey, huh. there we go. I was going to ask you that. I was going to say, though, yeah. why, why are we not, Anita, why are we not seeing this? It's, op- it's been optioned twice, apparently, but, you know, Hollywood, hello. Uh, yeah, it yeah. just didn't happen. Has she had any of her other books made into movies? No. No? No, she has another series and a couple of standalone books in that. She's amazing. Yeah. Hollywood likes to do that. Studios, it's a race. Whenever there's a book that's a bestseller, they they they, they have like yeah. these auctions. They buy it, and mm-hmm. even, even if they're not planning on making a movie, they just want to sit and on the rights. Totally sucks, right? Yeah, it does. But I'm buying it. I'm putting it on that shelf over there for twenty years. We just don't uh, want you to make money, so we're gonna buy it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, executives will have their Porsches. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a different world. A very different. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah, yeah. It's nice to see. Big budget mainstream making, you know, cool stuff, nerd mm. stuff. But we've talked about this before, mm. wondering when the bubble's going to pop and when mm-hmm. we're going to go back to yeah. But I think the, the, train, the train is running full steam and I think it's going to be quite a while before we see that, a fall off in comic book movies and genre yeah. movies and stuff I like mean, that. They've got plans for like two, three years ahead these days. Right. Yeah, DC you know? just released their, their slate. Their uh, schedule. Oh, yeah. the next They're going all the way up to 2020. With oh, movies, two movies, okay. three movies a year, and it's really? kind of ridiculous. That's yeah, I think people are going to get fatigued because it always Probably. happens, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that happens with everything. I mean, you you you'll get you'll get a, a couple of guys who write a movie and go and pitch it. And, and no, pitch it here. No, pitch it here. No, pitch it here. No, pitch it here. Yes. Okay. Great. This studio is going to make their story, but now they've planted a seed of an idea at every yes, studio they've exactly. been to, and they rush yeah. out and make their write their own thing and put it out. And you'll see in one or two years, yes. five five movies that all have the same basic premise. Yes. That's been happening a lot lately. Like there's two of each. It's always been happening. Two of each, that's like biopics with yeah. biopics. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. always been yeah. happening. Yeah. That's always been happening. Um, I don't like that. Like uh, like <laughs> what was the, mo- the year of the movie? There's the some m- collective m- consciousness somewhere out there too. That- 
that yeah. just happens. Like in the same year, we have the Magician and the Illusionist in the right, same year. Right, right, right. Now they're making an Illusionist TV remember, show. Not, remember the year 2000, the year of the sci-fi suck fest? And how many <laughs> movies, how many teams of rogue you know, badasses went to Mars that year? Oh, that's right. One of them was oh, Ice Cube. One of them was, no. you know... Jason went to, went to space. Yes, Jason was in, went to space. <laughs> you had Red Planet. You had Mission to Mars. You had... Yes. There were five or six movies, and we called it the year of the sci-fi suck fest. Because they were all terrible. There was the one with Val Kilmer. I think that was Red Planet. That's and, why. Yeah, that's and why. It was Mission uh, to Mars with Ice Cube, yeah. and, and it was yeah. Oh man, Ghosts Ghosts yeah. of Mars. John yes, Carpenter. Ghosts of Mars, oh, yeah. and all those came out in Which, that one year. Those are responsible for John Carter sucking because they didn't want to name it John Carter from Mars because of those movies right. and other okay. Mars movies that had done terribly at the box office, and the marketing wasn't. You know, well, but, but see, that's be. the thing, though, is I'm not mm-hmm. sure that a modern audience is, is can wrap their head around, around uh, John Edgar Rice Burroughs. Because yeah. Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote John Carter. Do you want to something scary? Mm. A friend of mine um, loves Burroughs. He like, yeah. records the books and everything. He's got a set of the original books, okay? And then he was asked to record a specific book, and he was reading the text that they had given him to record, and he compared it to his book, and he's like... It's different. It's different. It's not what Burroughs mm, wrote. Interesting. Which they're, is like, were they modernizing it? Did, yes. did you say how it was different? It was, it was modernized. Uh, it was changed. It was brought up to date, which so is an actual crime. Which that's is a, a crime. crime. Yeah. You know, that shouldn't be legal. Or maybe his estate doesn't really care. Or... They, they should, because that's a, that's a literary legacy that we yeah. Oh, yeah. Cannot, yeah, I mean, so Edgar Rice wrote Tarzan and John Carter and... Uh, Carson uh, of Phoenix. Car- yes, yes. I have all of them. Yeah, yeah. And... and <laughs> And that's the thing is is that mm. that those books were written in a certain t- from a certain yes. perspective from a certain point in time and it's it's mm. it's past future science fiction and and it's like Jules Verne or it's like uh, um, I always get Jules Verne and him mixed up who was the other sci fi author uh, Victorian no 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 uh, dang it well there was writer H G Wells yes yeah. H G Wells and thank you. yeah thank you. Um, uh, yeah, so th- those books were written at a certain mm-hmm. time when we didn't know certain things. We didn't know Mars didn't have any atmosphere on it. We didn't know that the moon. Yeah, technically, Mars doesn't have an atmosphere. It's his first thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> but we didn't know those things, and yeah. and so you have to. It's very hard, especially for a generation or or people who have been right, living for a, a time period who don't know who are so. We're born in a certain time period after certain things happened yeah. that don't understand that that it, they can't transcend that yeah. time. And I feel fortunate to have been born when I was, when from, a, from the perspective of of knowing the way things were before, mm-hmm. because I was always told the way things were before, and it wasn't just some boring story. It was this, wow, really? Tell me what it was like before. Mm-hmm. You know, before we had. When all you had was a radio and you didn't even have TV. I can tell you that. that. Yeah, I yeah. didn't have TV till I was nine. Okay, yeah. Mm. You know? And we had we had one color TV and a bunch of black and white, little black and white TVs. And the, and the biggest That's screen you could yeah. get was 19 inches. Growing up in that world where, where, you know, when people told you something with conviction, you thought it was true. Yeah. You couldn't confirm it. Like, there was no Google, no internet, nothing, nothing like that. Nothing, right. uh, Nowadays, if someone tells you something with conviction and it's a lie, you just Google it, you're lying. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, those times I I, I, so I don't remember those times because I was born and the internet was here. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, we didn't even have like word processors when I started. Oh yeah, you know. it was typewriters. Yeah. Not even typewriters. You know, oh, yeah. typewriters. Yeah. Well, also, um, South Africa was like a decade or so behind everybody else oh. because of political stuff that was happening at the time. So we didn't get TV till later. We didn't get the series. We mm. we got selective pop culture that came across to us. You know, Probably so. a lot from England, maybe or. Um, sort of. In, I remember England, Australia, but the the majority was from America. Oh, okay. You know, okay. but not That's everything. Not everything. Right, right. Yeah. Like, but you got probably the biggest of the biggest. Like I know that probably sometimes. Oh. Yes and no. Like there are series still today that people will talk about that I'm like, what? You know, Did like, you guys get like Gilgan's Island and no. I love no, music. No, no, no. Yeah. Probably a lot of cowboy westerns, like uh, we got a couple the of Virginian, Gunsmoke, mm, stuff like that. Gunsmoke, yes, Virginians, no. Okay. Um, but it was later. It was like the, um, I'm blanking, Tom Selleck in... The Magnum P.I. Magnum P.I. Mm. Wild Wild Knight West. Rider. Knight Rider. Oh, okay. No, so you got a lot of the first time I stuff. heard about Wild Wild West was last night when I was listening to the radio when I was oh driving home from my screaming. That's wow. mind-blowing. Yes. I'm like, wow. what is this? Oh, I love that show. Because so that was another one of those one of those things that was told from a perspective of a different time. It was, right. It was it was it was uh, it was uh, um, steampunk, mm-hmm. but was you steampunk. know, before the yeah. steampunk was steampunk, it was they they were it was the you know the late uh, it was the the mid uh, mid nineteenth century. Ulysses S. Grant was the mm-hmm. and they were the Secret Service for Ulysses S. Grant, okay. and they had all the gadgets. It was James Bond meets. Wild Wild West, and that's yes. what it was, and it was great. Yes, At least I you didn't it. have to witness the horrible, uh, you know, Will Smith movie that came out. Oh, well, there you go. I didn't see it. I yeah. was sort of like, what? The Cowboys? Nah. That was <laughs> yeah. 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 The casting was fun, but it, yeah, the, it wasn't very well. Okay. Written. Mechanical Spider. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what, what, what's, what are some of I, I just want to go back to horror because okay. this is the Halloween episode oh yeah, yeah. of course uh, what, what's your favorite or not favorite but give me like your top five favorite horror movies The Exorcist um, including all the bits that were cut out in the original one like when she does the faces her, and the, crab walk, the, the crab walk the crab walk down, down the steps and stuff, things like that um, Interview with the Vampire again because it's visually sumptuous and stunning mm-hmm, and beautiful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I love that one. Um, um, Bram Stoker's Dracula, mm-hmm. definitely. Nosferatu. I'm not sure if this is going to count as horror, but I'm going to say it. Metropolis. Definitely. Oh, yeah, Both versions. It has horrific elements yes. to it. I probably would be considered more of a sci-fi, more sci-fi work, but yeah. definitely, yeah. Um, Metropolis yeah. is Fritz Lang, just outstanding. Yes. Great early German cinema. Oh, yeah. And just the embodiment of that German kind of machine mm. thing which yeah. is horrific in nature oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes 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 the industrious the industrious nature 20 years Nazis. later yeah. and some yeah. serious shit was going exactly. down after right. that but, I mean isn't it um, scary how, how many you know the Nazis invented a lot of things and then they came over here and kept inventing stuff that people are not aware that Nazis invented yeah. like uh, for example uh, live television was invented by Nazis really mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. German science okay. yeah. German okay. science yeah well, I don't know if the, the scientists themselves were Nazis, but it was under the the right. Yeah, yeah right. under the right. Right, right. You know, the, the highway system. Anyway, so, I don't want to go. What's your What's your top five? My top five. Whoa! Put on the spot. Um, <laughs> okay, I gotta say, just because this made an impression on me, Hellraiser. When I was a kid, mm. I, yes. I was That's that a good one. super yes. morbid child that oh, I had, yeah. had okay. to watch every horror movie. So Hellraiser, 
Um, Stephen King's It. Oh, it was yeah. incredibly frightening. It was I must te- watch that again, but I prefer the book. Yeah. The, well, yeah. The book yeah. There's certain yeah. things they couldn't show on network yeah. TV that were in Which, the book. They're okay. remaking it now, so they might actually they touch are. on those aspects. Mm-hmm. That's maybe, interesting. Maybe, maybe. So that's number two. I don't think they're going to do the whole thing where they all have sex at the end of the first time they beat the monster. I don't think that's going to happen on TV. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, you don't know, but still. Anyway, it's it's uh, Kerry Fukunaga, which he made uh, True Detective. Which oh, is a pretty okay. explicit piece of work yes, so yes, yes. they might actually do that okay. uh, number three um, I don't know man uh, <laughs> I just I like so many different uh, movies number three uh, The Tenant it's a um, oh I'm forgetting his name right now uh, the uh, the guy uh, Sharon Tate's husband Roman Polanski Roman Polanski, Roman Polanski. Okay. Yeah. it's a psychological thriller from the Roman 70s Polanski. where he's living in his apartment pardon me your friends are in my neck <laughs> <laughs> the fearless vampire I love that movie yes so I gotta say number four um, I'm gonna go ahead and say uh, Ed Wood it's yeah. not a horror movie but it's about okay. it's about making yeah. horror movies yeah, yeah. Horror we like movies, movies that are about making horror movies that's good yeah mm-hmm. and number five uh, Beetlejuice even though it's not a horror movie okay as a yeah. kid watching yeah. that yeah. yeah watching yeah. him turn into monsters totally and counts really yes. totally horrific counts. yes you know. um, for me I really think my number one favorite of all time is The Legend of Hell House which was Richard Matheson wrote a book called Hell House uh-huh. That was set in in uh, in, in uh, upstate New York, and then he adapted the screenplay and wrote okay. the screenplay himself. And it's Malcolm, uh, it's a uh, Roddy McDowell, and um, it's it's just it's just I watched it over and over and over again as a kid, and I would see it on TV again and again and again. And I I have to watch it at least once a year, and it's just it's such a brilliant, horrific psychological. Are there ghosts? Are there not ghosts? Right, kind right, of thing. Right. And Michael Gough makes a very, very small appearance in that. Um, That's my number one favorite. Number two, I would have to say, as a collect... It's not a single film, but the collected works of Hammer Dracula, specifically Hammer Dracula, or Hammer Vampire films, because I have to throw Mirkala and Twins of Evil and all of those movies in as well. All those lush sets, the sumptuous... Just movies you can sink your teeth into. Movies mm-hmm. you can you can feel like running your fingers through a shag yeah, carpet. It's great. just it just drips with with production value. Right. Um, for three, three, four, five. Um, wow, there's a lot. I have a really soft spot spot in my heart for the hunger. Uh, David Ooh. Bowie, Susan Sarandon, okay. Catherine Deneuve. I was looking for that one just the other day. So good. It's hard to find it. It's yeah. been kind of a weird out of print kind of okay. thing. But um, for the longest time, I held that movie up to this wonderful on this wonderful pedestal. It was my favorite movie of all time okay. until until uh, another movie, which I'll mention in a minute. Um, but I held it up on this pedestal because David Bowie is God for me. Everybody knows this. <laughs> Here I go mentioning David Bowie again. But David Bowie, Catherine Deneuve. Somebody had the brilliant idea of going, okay, let's get David Bowie and Catherine Deneuve to be vampires and go and prey on hot people in goth clubs in New York in the 1980s. And then we'll get Tony <laughs> Scott to direct it. Wow! And explode. And... I held it up to this great, wonderful standard, and everybody dismissed it as being too, you know, too style over substance and this and that, and I just thought, oh, you're just wrong, and I'm right. Then my ex-wife and I went to the Out Festival and went to the Ford Amphitheater, and we saw it, and we were the only two straight, cis, straight couple there. Hmm. Everybody else, it was all lesbians. 
And little did we know that this film was a lesbian cult film. Okay. Because wow. of the scene, the love scene between Catherine Deneuve and, and Susan Sarandon, Sarandon, where they're drinking sherry, and, oh, no, I spilt sherry on my shirt. I'll have to take my shirt off. And, and then the flower duet from Dalib comes in, and you have the classic scene and blah, blah, blah. And everybody's just giggling and snickering yeah. and hooting and hollering at the screen. And I was just like... And my, my whole field of, of reference just widened to the nth degree. And I went, wow. So it brought in this whole other element okay. of tongue-in-cheek, giggly kind of thing to the movie that made me love it even more. Aww. <laughs> the next movie I'm going to say that, again, maybe not quite a horror movie, but the first two-thirds of the movie take place inside of a dream. What I consider to be David Lynch's absolute perfect masterpiece Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive. Yeah. I love that movie so much. That is my absolute okay. number one favorite movie of all time. But as a horror movie, it's a little okay. down the list because it's much more a psychological mm. thing mm. of of here's this woman in love with this other woman who is losing this woman and she's putting this dream where she is puts herself into this bright, bubbly, perky character from Canada who comes to Hollywood to become a movie star and doesn't make it. And and has and then wakes up and has to deal with that reality and, right. and Mulholland Drive is just it's so brilliant. It is a horror show. It is a horror it show. Is. It's a it's a it's a mm-hmm. definitely. I would say honorable mentions. Now that I had more time to think about it, Twenty Eight Days Later, The Thing, okay. and um, Videodrome. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the other which, number five for me is uh, Twin Peaks: Fire Walk with Me oh, because yeah. Bob and the whole and just you, you, we see the journey of terror that this girl goes through up to the point where she is possessed to the point to where the only way for her to escape is mm. to allow herself to be murdered. Now, Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me, is that a separate movie? It's a prequel to the okay, TV to series. Okay, to the TV series, yes. which did not come across, so I right. have like zero knowledge. I watched maybe 30 minutes of the pilot, I was like, meh. This is a great time to get into it because the Blu-ray just came out. The Blu-ray set and just came out. And also there's like going to be series... Yes. Uh, season three or something. In two years. Uh, Mark yeah. Frost is releasing a novel that covers the 20 years between the end of the series okay. and what and now. Okay. To catch everybody up on what everybody's been doing, everybody who lives in Twin Peaks I can't wait. has been doing until this new series okay. starts. Makes we sense. don't know where at what point the new series is going to start right. because the old series ended with scenes from 25 years later. It is now okay. 25 years later. Oh. We don't know where they're going to go. We're gonna, we don't okay. know if... If what happened at the very end of the series is still happening, we just don't. Right, know. Right, right. So this book is going to give us, inform us, and then they're going to start the showtime and get as many okay. of the original cast members yes, back as possible. And everybody's on board. Oh, everybody's on board. That's, sure. that's going to be amazing. I can't oh, yeah. wait. I can't wait. Cheryl Lee's talking about it's great. Kyle McLaughlin, uh, uh, <clears throat> Mason Meek is on there. Um, just. Everybody who was involved yeah. is just like, yes, 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 we've been wanting to get back together and do of this course. again. Yeah. And David Lynch has been saying forever that when he was recording Inland Empire, that he was never going to do film again. Mm, so I'm glad right. that he's at least going to do TV. Okay. I mean, he's been he's been making coffee. So, uh, <laughs> so That's a great impression. Yeah, I love <laughs> I really enjoy smoking. It makes me relax. <laughs> I, 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 uh, Mr. Lynch, you're not supposed to smoke in here. Oh, don't worry about it, Sonny. It's okay. <laughs> I, I doubt that he, that's his real voice, but if it is, then whatever. Uh, yeah, it's a great yeah. voice. I want to ask, you know, Countdown's top ten, top fives, they're fun. But I just want to ask if you guys maybe can come up with like your favorite obscure like horror movie. I, I'll go first. Okay. Mine is uh, 
Uh, I used to be this this teenage kid that used to buy a Fangoria every month. Oh yeah, I and still got mine. You still have yours? <laughs> I still have a stack of them. And I used to sometimes they advertise they made their own movies, right? And uh, they made this one movie called I Zombie that it's was never transferred to DVD. It's on VHS. Okay. I have the tape at home. Okay, uh, like my hometown. And uh, <clears throat> it's this great movie. Whoever's out there, if if there's any cinephiles out there that like collecting films. It's on Amazon. You just have to buy a VHS player. Okay. But it's this movie about a... <laughs> Didn't uh, Rob Zombie name his first album I Zombie after after that movie? Uh, White Zombie. White Zombie, I mean, the first White Zombie album, I Zombie. Didn't he name it after that? No, because this movie came out in 1990. Oh, okay. Yeah, White Zombie yeah. came out in 1936 or something. No, no, no. I mean, the, the band. The, ba- the band was making movies. first yeah. album was called I Zombie. But oh, it was, I see. It was, it, was, it was, yeah, late right. 80s, early 90s, yeah. But this movie's about this. It's an interesting take, and I think it was one of the first, like, you know... It looked like found footage. It was, you know, filmed with like a JVC, you know, mm. camcorder. And it's this guy, he's driving, it's a British movie. He's driving, um, you know, through the country or whatever. And he sees, it's an open field. He sees someone struggling. So he parks his car. He decides to investigate. It's this woman. And uh, she's being attacked by a zombie. Which I means she doesn't, he doesn't know that it's a zombie. The, the, the monster flees or whatever. And when he picks her up, she reanimates in his arms oh, and bites him. Okay. So he drops her, he goes back home, and it's the story of this guy slowly becoming a zombie, and he's documenting everything, and how uh, he has to stop talking to his girlfriend because he doesn't want to hurt her. Right. Then eventually he, you know, starts getting hungry, so he has to go and, like, get victims, and he Mm. tries to, like, uh, you know, keep them for as long as possible. They start rotting, they start rotting or whatever, Mm -hmm. going bad, and uh, there's this twist in the end that's incredibly depressing. I don't want to ruin it, but... It's a great. It's my favorite, like obscure movie, uh, ever. It's a great okay. movie, and I don't know why it hasn't been transferred to DVD. Right, right. You know, one thing I saw maybe, I don't know, forty years ago. No, not that far. Um, was also a British-made film. Um, very interesting take on the zombie um, mythology, zombie love story. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying zombies fall in love or something ridiculous like that. Um, a woman loses her fiance. And he comes back. And that's mm. the entire premise of the film. Mm. I mm. so want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. I want to see it again. Mm-hmm. I want to just get my head back into it. Right. It's called Neither the Sea Nor the Sand. Oh, interesting. Oh. I found it on Amazon, I think, a couple months back. But I just have not had a chance to watch it again yet. Yeah. I hope it stands up to what I remember it being. Yeah. You know, that's the thing with stuff from your kitchen when, when yeah. you were younger. Is you hope it holds yeah. up. And that's, uh, yeah. Like, I, I never want to watch um, Haunted House Horror again. Because that's a 60s camp. But when right, I was nine, right. it was like, oh my god, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. that was yeah. awesome for me. kind of like Serious Vampire Killers. I still yes. watch it for the camp aspect. Yeah. My, uh, my favorite obscure Halloween mo- or uh, uh, horror movie is... Um, Cannibal the Musical. Oh, Matt Stone okay, and Trey okay, Parker. Okay. Uh, before South Park, yes. before Basketball, before Orgasmo, before anything, did a film with Troma, uh, Troma Studios, and it tells the Alfred Packer story, which was the um, the uh, uh, the Colorado version mm-hmm. of the Donner Party story okay. from California, okay. which is. Settlers go get lost in the mountains and wind up having to eat each other to survive. Okay. And trial and blah, 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 blah. I mean, Alfred yeah. Packer's headstone keeps getting stolen by frat boys and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it's it's incredibly gory. And it's a musical. It's Cannibal the Musical. And they based the entire music, uh, the overture of the of the of all the music, 
on the Braniff Airlines jingle theme. And if you will go back and watch the first season of South Park, at the end of the episode, they would show the Braniff logo and they they based that the whole overture on that theme okay. and, and it just makes it even more funny it's funny it's fun it's horrific it's it's gory and gross it's trauma so you oh. know what you're getting when you know you when you when you watch trauma sure. um i love that stuff have you seen fido i have not but i do <laughs> i have been always wanting to see that the rock uh, um sure uh comedian uh, chris Con- uh, billy Connolly oh, plays okay. the zombie plays a basically they're we're in a reality of i know what it's about mm-hmm. basically we're in a we're in a time where zombies have come into being and they've been made into indentured servants for people <laughs> and because well, that's they what don't they have, were in history supposed to be right exactly right right, right. yeah so then they have this there's this one family that has this pet named fido and and, and billy Connolly plays the zombie who is their pet their pet zombie great movie. And, nice. Yeah. nice so now uh, on to another one if i if, if i can get away with a third one <laughs> all right <laughs> i want to ask you guys since this is a special episode favorite foreign uh horror film and i'll go i'll go first okay okay my favorite horror, uh, foreign horror film of all time is by this filmmaker called Takashi Miike, and he's inspired the likes of like Eli Roth and stuff like that. And uh, he's known for doing uh, like traditionally Japanese story mm-hmm. fantasy movies, but also incredibly horrific, shock-driven uh, like horror movies. And he he made one called Visitor Q, yeah, which it, on the surface wasn't marketed as a horror movie. But it's it's this horrific story of a very dysfunctional family mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the dad is cheating on the mom. The mom's a heroin addict. The daughter is a prostitute. The kid gets bullied. And uh, it's a very Japanese story. Very horrific. If you can't handle... Mm. Uh, if you can't handle, like, you know, visual horror, like uh, corpses and uh, corpses having vowel movements, then you shouldn't watch this movie. But I, I recommend anyone watch it if you're a horror fan. Because it's like the ultimate gore fest, ultimate, ultimate. Oh man, life. it's just it's ridiculous. It's, but yeah, it's, it's seriously fucked up. Seriously <laughs> fucked up. Those are the words that describe this yes, movie. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Um, my favorite foreign horror movie. Um, uh, I would say the original Ringu, because oh. that I wasn't familiar with J horror at the time, and I saw the Ring first, and then I went back and saw Ringu and. What an original, brilliant idea to take this, all of this symbolism that, of what the ring really is and everything like that, and, and what a brilliant thing, and plus I also like horror movies where things don't get resolved in the end, that, mm. that you, you supposedly broke the curse, but eh, no, you really didn't, you know, and, and yeah. but, but the Japanese have a really unique, I like a lot of Japanese horror movies, a lot of the ghost movies that they do, and a lot of, like, um, the original movie that The Grudge was based on, and stuff like that, um, but Ringu was, was probably my favorite uh, there, there's there's a there's a different sensibility in the in a lot of those other cultures that yeah, that we we <clears throat> just don't touch on here. We can emulate it, but we can't originate it. Mm-hmm. That there's a different there's just a different culture, and and it, yeah. and it brings this element to it that makes it even more terrifying. Uh, Maria, All right. what's your... I'm sitting on my phone frantically um, looking up <laughs> Japanese horror movies because I know exactly what I want to speak about, but I don't remember the name of it. The name. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about another one. There's 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 a Korean film called Thirst. Oh yeah, have I've you heard, seen yeah, it? Have I've you heard, heard about it. it? I've heard of it. It's about this priest 
that gets uh, bit by a vampire. No, yeah. no, he 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 catches a virus, and he becomes a vampire. Mm-hmm. From like he works at a clinic or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a really great movie. Korean uh, Korean Korean. Um, I like K horror a lot. Too, horror films yeah. are great too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Japanese, they're on a different level of. Uh, it's like I'm playing charades. It's one <laughs> word. I think it's three syllables. It begins with an S. <laughs> <laughs> Is it house? The house that eats people. No, 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 no. It's a story of a girl, a Death young bed. girl, who is um, um, subjected to horrific torture by her, her, her father, mm. who is a principal at her school, actually. And how um, she... Is it the one about the sisters? The story of two sisters or something like no, that? No. She grows up and she's seriously messed up. She's seriously mm. messed up. And then it jumps ahead to you know her being an adult and what she's doing and how she gets revenge on her father and her mother. Oh. It's, I think it's it's something to do with circus or oh, carnival no. or something. I wish I knew. With an S, it's a one word title. Sympathy for Lady Vengeance? No, no it's one word. One it's word. a one word title. Yeah, that's what they want. It's on Netflix streaming. It's like. Well, we've given people enough cues, they'll be able to find it. I'm sure that people yeah. on the internet are screaming <laughs> at us brilliant. right now. Going, it's I blah, blah, blah. loved it. I loved it. Oh, hey, wow. if you guys want to, if you guys yeah. want to correct us, take to Twitter, take to um, yes, whatever please, it is. Yes. Type it in. We'd like to know. Well, we're we're uh, a little over an hour, and uh, definitely want to thank you for coming and being here with us for, so for our Halloween episode. And yeah, uh, what what? Go ahead and plug your stuff. Tell us your your Twitter, your Facebook. You know, go ahead and plug okay. everything. Um, Where Twitter, can we find you? Twitter Maria Olson sixty six. Uh, Facebook, I have a fan page, Maria Olson fan page. I have my company's page, MonsterWorks 66. I have a personal page on Facebook as well, but the friend requests, um, there's only about 600 of them left, and they okay. go pretty quickly sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, IMDb, YouTube, I have my MonsterWorks 66 channel. Okay. Where nice. I put up anything mm-hmm. I could possibly put up that's And you're Maria Olson, that's O-L-S-E-N Correct. on, like on IMDb. Correct. And, it's, a, and it, it's an extensive read. You'll spend a good you'll spend a good hour <laughs> reading through all of that. So You should definitely go and watch every one of those movies. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, if you like Giallo, I'm going to plug this one. Um, it's Jason Bognaki's another. It is Giallo, but updated to, to present day. Okay. It's beautiful, visually stunning. Mm. Stories are cerebral. You have to sit and think about it. You're not spoon-fed. It's, Great. It's one of the most powerful films I've ever seen. I'm not saying that because I'm in the damn thing. So, real quick, what do you uh, name two or three things you're recommending? You said you recommended the Anita, ba- Anita Blake, Blake uh, uh, Vampire books. Hunter books. Yes. Uh, is definitely. there anything else that's out that you're recommending that people go see? Uh, could be your stuff, could be other people's stuff. Starry Eyes. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I missed the um, LA premiere because I was up shooting X-Men and Gorman. Um, <laughs> apparently, Starry Eyes is just beyond brilliant. Um, it's been called one of the best horror movies of 2014. Nice. Um, yes, I'm in it. Um, but so are many other people. It's been called Alex Esso's breakout role. She's our leading lady. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I want to see Jodorowsky's Dune. Um, that's oh, okay. sort of vaguely horror related it's a um, documentary on how Jodorowsky's film would have turned out if oh, he had made yeah. Dune I also want to watch that yes yeah, I want to watch that yeah. I, I read about that one that should be a great one and um, let's go music let's um, get more people listening to the Swedish uh, band Ghost BC yes alright all right. that's one of my favorite death metal bands guys yes alright that band's awesome cool <laughs> what are you recommending alright music all right, and now you just you just like turn no, me I, up. I just started. Something I, else. I, if I start talking about music, I won't stop. But I, I'll, I'll <laughs> say uh, two uh, two mentions since this is the Halloween episode. 
Keith Emerson. He um, he's a keyboard composer, and he uh, scored a lot of horror films. Uh, I think he did um, Day of the Dead and uh, Amazing Musician, and also the uh, the go-to band that Dario Argento used, Goblin. Mm-hmm. Goblin, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. great music, and and uh, f- uh, films. I have two. You should go out and watch VHS. I think mm. they had both. There's two movies. They had both on Netflix, but they only have the second one. Okay. Um, really great zombie segment. Mm-hmm. It's one of these like segment-based uh, films, yeah. like uh, Tales from the Crypt or something yeah. like that. And Pontypool, which is a Canadian film oh, yeah. that yeah. is amazing. Mm-hmm. I've ne- I, you know, hard to press, hard pressed to find a, a film that good. Okay. Uh, that uh, does so much with with, with uh, so little. Okay. So those are my recommendations. Cool. What do cool. you got, man? Um, well, I've been watching, uh, been watching the hell out of Twin Peaks and um, the X Files, and um, I, I haven't seen a lot of new stuff. I haven't, and there hasn't been a lot of uh, musical. There's so many movies out right now that I want to see, but I haven't seen them, so I feel like I can't, I mean, uh, I can't uh, adequately recommend them yet. But uh, there, there's a lot. This is the time of year when all the blockbusters are done and all the good art films, all the good quirky dramas and stuff are out right now like I really want to see St. Vincent I'm kind of mm. bleeding out the eyes to go see that but it's a matter mm-hmm. of finding the time to go truck down to the arc light and go see it because um, it's not playing in regular and theaters spent uh, $20 a ticket right and for me it, it's it's, it's a, another cha- yet another chance to see Bill Murray in action but also a chance to see uh, Melissa McCarthy not playing a typical Melissa McCarthy oh, yeah, role yeah, yeah. she's playing a very different role and I like that so you're um, recommending that movie? Yeah, I'm going to recommend it at Silent Scene, you know, like because I do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, also, uh, Massive Attack just played the um, the, the the Greek theater uh, this past uh, weekend, um, and I know a lot of people that went to see it. I didn't get to so, go see it, so I've been kind of delving back well, into Massive Attack. I didn't Attack even freaking again. know. That's, yeah, I didn't either. Jesus. And until it was until people were saying, "Yeah, Massive Attack tonight," I'm like, "What? Shvai? So I've been delving back into Massive Attack again, and and. I'm always on a kind of a trip hop trip anyway. So mezzanine, um, you know, yeah. all of it, all of it. Especially I've been especially listening to protection. Ooh, uh, that's, that's a, a good great one. one. So, yeah. um, but that's uh, all of our recommendations. Uh, please um, follow us on Twitter, something to XP. Please like us on Facebook, something to XP. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, etc. And as we always say, please be kind. The Something Something Experience podcast was conceived and produced by Ash Jones and Michael John Simpson. Intro music, cheer and chick work by MyGod20, and outro music, Help Me, I Am in Hell by Nine Inch Nails. You can find us online as Something to XP on iTunes, WordPress, and YouTube. Please follow us on Twitter. And like us on Facebook. Email something to xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. <laughs>